you could turn with me to Revelation chapter 6 this morning. Um, also, if you have the a phone, smartphone and you have the YouVersion app, you can also open up your YouVersion app. Um, there's notes that are in there under redemption, or you can follow along through your Bible as well. Um, there's also a Bible in the front of your, uh, your pew that you can also follow along if you didn't bring a Bible this morning. Revelation 6. Um, and I count it an honor to stand before you this morning to be able to, to preach the word and to uh, share God's word with us this morning. When I was 12 years old, my brother and I got into some big trouble. Um, in fact, so much trouble that uh, we didn't know what to do. My brother talked me into pulling my mom's big Oldsmobile Tornado. Now, if you've never seen an Oldsmobile Tornado, it, was, it is huge. It's like a massive chunk of steel. It's like a 1984 maroon, big, had the huge bumpers on it. So here I am, 12 years old, and my, my brother says, hey, you should pull the dad's car into the garage because we're playing basketball. And I'm like, uh, I don't know if that's a good idea. But, you know, you're 12 years old, so you don't think much. You just do. You just act. And so here I am. I'm, uh, I get the idea. Okay, I'll, I'll pull it in. But here's, here's the thing about it, though, is I didn't know how to, I didn't know the difference between the brake pedal or the gas pedal. So you could imagine this is a, a big mistake. Uh, because I had been driven, because I hadn't never driven before in my life, and because I didn't fully know the difference between the brake and the pedal, this led me to pull my, ga- my dad's uh, my mom's car into the garage and crash into my dad's big red toolbox. And I can't have, I don't have enough time to elaborate on it, but here, my, here I am jumping in the car. My brother's directing me in. He's saying, go ahead, pull it in, pull it in. I'm thinking the, I got the brake and the gas pedal switched up. So here I am pulling in. I'm getting closer and closer. My brother's like, all right, press on the brake. So I press on the gas instead of the brake and I hit my dad's toolbox and he goes, and I keep hitting it. Three times. So my, my brother's like, Put on the brake. What are you doing? So I put, so I put it in the, I put it in park. I don't know how I did that. Everything was like a blur. I get out and we look at my dad's red, red, red toolbox, and it was completely destroyed, banged in. It looked like someone tried to break into it. So here's, here's my brother, and we're thinking about it. We're like, what, what are we gonna do? So the thought of telling my dad gripped us both with fear, knowing that we would be in tremendous trouble and would probably be grounded for the rest of our lives. So we decided to, to hide the truth for a while and attempt to prevent immediate punishment. The problem, though, is that, is that tr- the truth came out, and the truth always prevails, and judgment is always sure to come. Our big idea this morning is, is Jesus is in control of human history, and when his wrath is released, no one will be able to stand. Let's read Revelation 6, verses 1 through 17. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a loud voice, like thunder, come and see. And I looked, and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come, And see, another horse, fiery red, went out, and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth, and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. 
And when he opened the third cell, I heard the living, third living creature saying, Come and see. So I looked, and behold, a black horse. And he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil or the, and the wine. Verse 7, And when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. And so I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was Death. And Hades followed with him. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, and with death, and by the beasts of the earth. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the, the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood and those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were, was completed. Verse 12, I looked, and when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood, and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as fig trees drop its late figs, and when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? Father, we come to you this morning, Lord. Lord, as we look into future events that are to happen, Lord, we ask for your wisdom and your understanding, Lord, as we go through this, um, this chapter today, Lord. I ask, Father, that you would give us ears to hear, Lord, and eyes to see, Lord, what is to come. Lord, that our hearts would, would tremble at your word today, and Lord, that we would respond, Lord, with trust and obedience in you today. And so we give you this time, and we pray that you would help me, Lord, to speak your word and to declare what you say, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, we won't be breaking this chapter into parts this week, but we will take one seal at a time as we go through chapter six. Last week, sorry, because a fly that keeps bugging me. We, we won't be breaking this, this chapter into parts. I already said that. Let me start the next part. Last week in Revelation 5, we saw the divine dilemma in heaven, as John saw the scroll with seven seals, and there was no one in all of heaven who was able to open the scroll except the lamb that was slain. We saw only Jesus is worthy to open the scroll and is the only one able to take the scroll, and he, the Redeemer, is alone worthy of worship and praise. We've seen this last week. Warren Rearsby says this, the worship described in Revelation 4 and five is preparation for the wrath described in Revelation 6 through 19. It seems strange to us that worship and judgment go together. But this is because we do not fully understand either the holiness of God or the sinfulness of man. Nor do we grasp the total picture of what God wants to accomplish. 
and how the forces of evil have opposed him. God is long-suffering, but eventually he must judge sin and vindicate his servants. This morning, as we examine chapter 6, we are thrown into the judgment of God upon an unbelieving people. Let's look at verse 1. Now I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a voice like thunder, Come and see. In chapter 6, there is a a significant shift from chapter 5. With the word now, we can see that in the first word of this chapter, now. The focal point changes from heaven to earth. As the lamb begins to open his seals. Up to this point, the focus has been in heaven, and rightly so. The focus is now directed to the earth in chapter 6. And one thing that we have to, to grasp with our minds is that this is a future event. This isn't something that has already happened, but is a future event of something that will take place. And what, a, what an incredible privilege that we have as believers to be able to see what will happen. That God would say to us and, and that God would invite us to see and to look and to see what will happen in this earth. David Guzik says, as the great judgment on earth unfolds, John, who is a representative of the church, is in heaven looking down on the earth. Before we go further into the the sill that is open first, I want to look at verses 15 through 17 this morning. Because I believe it gives us uh, a picture of what is happening. And not only what is happening, but who is releasing and opening the, the sills. Verse 15, And the kings of the earth and the great men, the rich men and the commanders... The mighty men and every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains. And said to the mountains, rocks, mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? I think it's an interesting picture as you see that it's, it's it's not the lion that's being expressed here. It's the Lamb. The Lamb of God who was slain. The Lamb of God who who redeemed mankind. But it is the Lamb that's unleashing this judgment upon the earth. It was the the Lamb that paid for the the wrath of God upon the cross. Verse verse 17, it says, it asks a question, the great day of his wrath and who, who is able to stand? It asks a question and it it invites us to understand who is able to stand in this time. This is the wrath of the Lamb and there is no one who is able to stand. The judgment upon the earth is being being released by no one else but Jesus. If we can grasp this this morning is that it's not the wrath of man or the wrath of the devil, but it is the wrath of God against sin. The Lamb paid for our our price on the cross. He paid for our wrath and it was he alone who bore our sins and was slain in our stead, perfectly satisfying the wrath of God for the sins of the world. It was Jesus who who took our place. It was Jesus who, who lived the life that we could not live and died in our place. 
If we can grasp it this morning, this, this is the Lamb of God who is opening up the seals upon an ungodly world. Those who are alive at this time in history and who reject this, who reject Jesus and choose not to believe will then experience the wrath of the Lamb in the great tribulation. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The, the Lord is, isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he is, he is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. And if we can grasp this this morning, is that it's the Father's heart to be patient and to be long-suffering with us. To long suffer it and wait and give an opportunity for all those to receive the sacrifice for their sin that is only and, and, ab and only able to be paid for through Jesus Christ. As we go through this passage in chapter 6, it is clear to see that Jesus is in control of every aspect, and it is He who opens every soul seal that releases judgment on the earth. He is the only one able to open the scroll and to loose its seals. So let's look at verse two this morning. And I looked and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on it had a bow, and a crown was given to him, and he went out conquering and to conquer. And he went out conquering and, conquering and to conquer. We are introduced to this first rider of the, the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Riding a white horse. So as we ask this question this morning, who is this mysterious rider? Verse 2 gives us a, a couple uh, clear things that this rider has that he's carrying with him. He had a bow and he had a crown. And a crown was given to him and he went out conquering and to conquer there are some Bible scholars who, who believe this is referring to Jesus. Yet it, it is describing Jesus because he's riding a white horse. But I think the, the things in his hand are clear reminders of who this actually is. And as we see as the, the seals open up and things unfold, we're going to see what follows this first rider. But let's, for, this mo for a moment, let's look at Jesus and how he is described in Revelation 19. And I believe it will be clear to see an apparent contrast with this first writer. If you'll turn with me this morning to Revelation 19, 11 through 16. And while you're looking for that, just to save time, I'm just going to start reading. Verse 11 of chapter 19. And it says, I saw heaven open and behold, a white horse. And he who sat on him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness, he judges and makes war. And his eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written on him, no one except himself. No one knew except himself. And he was clothed with a right robe, with a, with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses, now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that, it, he, that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. 
He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus is being described here as, as faithful and true. And notice it says that it's in his righteousness that he judges and he makes war. His eyes were like a flame of fire and on his head were many crowns. His robe was dipped in blood and his name was called the word of God. And out of his mouth goes a sharp sword. Flip back to chapter 6, verse 2. The first rider in chapter 6 went out conquering and to conquer. And I believe that this, as we can see this apparent contrast, is the Antichrist. And he is being released here to rule in the world and to lead with a bow and with a crown. John MacArthur says the bow is a, is a symbol of war. But the absence of arrows implies that victory is a bloodless one, a peace won by covenant and an agreement, not by war. And the crowns refer to the kind of laurel wreath awarded winning athletes. And it was given to him, Antichrist becomes king, elected by the world's inhabitants, regardless of the cost, and it will conquer the entire earth in a bloodless coup. The Antichrist will usher in a time of peace with his agreement, but this peace will be short-lived as we will see in the progression of the next still being open. Peace is, is not the outcome of this ruler, but rather devastation and destruction and calamity. What the world is looking for in this time, in this moment, is looking even now for someone who can bring peace. The, the stage has already been set. It's already here in the Middle East, someone who can bring peace to the Middle East without war. And this is, it sets the stage for the Antichrist to come and to take his place. Let's look at the second seal this morning. Verses three through four. When he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come and see. Another horse, fiery red, went out and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth. And the people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. Notice it says that it was granted to take peace from the earth. So this peace that once came through the, the first rider on his white horse is now taken away. And peace is taken from the earth. And it's a great sword that he is given. And death follows when peace is taken away. Once peace is removed, war and destruction follow. The second seal will bring about death and peril through war and conflict. What's being described here is, is world war like we've never seen it. That will bring destruction and death like have never seen before. This will only be the beginning of the violent and massive death that will happen on the earth. David Gusick says, peace between men and, and among nations is a gift from God. And it is not the natural state of relations between men. As we celebrate the Memorial Day in our nation and all those who sacrifice their lives, we understand that there's a price to be paid for the freedom that we experience. In the same light, it is a gift of God that we have peace on the earth. That God is, has 
orchestrated all these events for us to experience freedom like we're experiencing today. But with this seal being opened up, that peace will be taken away. Just this last week, we've seen the, the atrocious events that happened in, in the school in Texas. And we see how, how evil and destruction come and killing. And this is only the beginning of what will happen as these seals will be opened. And it gives us a picture of, of violence and rebellion and killing that are likes that we've never seen before. Let's look at the the third seal in verse 5 through 6. And when he opened the third seal, I heard the living creature say, Come and see. And so I looked, and behold, a black horse, and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. And I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil and the wine. The rider of this black horse had a pair of scales in his hand. What is to follow will hit the earth and its inhabitants. So I, I brought this this morning just to kind of give us a, a, a mental picture. This is actually one and a half, one and a half quarts. So if you can imagine this, it's a little bit smaller than this. But this is what's being described here. A quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius. And what this is speaking to is it's speaking to inflation and famine that will hit the earth like we've never seen. A denarius was a, denarius was a day's wage. Today, if we were to convert it to our modern, uh, in America, today... An average wage on, on average wage of, on a lower spectrum is fifteen dollars. If we times that by eight hours a day, it equals one hundred and twenty dollars per day. Or if you're on a little bit higher spectrum, if you make seventy thousand a year divided by fifty-two weeks, it equals about one thousand three hundred forty-six dollars divided by five days, and it's around two hundred and seventy dollars. So this is the gauge between. Uh, what is being described here. So in order to be able to purchase enough wheat, a quart of wheat, a quart of wheat, you will have to pay a, a day's wage. So what you can visualize this morning is that this will be a time of, of scarcity and famine that is going to hit the earth. We live in a, we live in a, a land of abundance. We go to the supermarket and I guess even now, I guess you can go and you probably can see some empty aisles. But we, we've enjoyed and we've experienced God's abundance. Could you imagine working a whole day just to buy ingredients, just to make bread? What we have in abundance today will be taken away at this time. Just this week, it was the state of cholera that, that made a, a state of emergency because of um, baby formula. That was it's obviously affecting the whole United States. And every, there's, there's baby formula being brought in from everywhere. But just this week. So we can kind of understand. And all these things are, are pictures and uh, birth pains of what we, are, we, what we will, um, those who are on the earth will experience at that time. If we can visualize with our eyes, it, it is going to be a time that we've never experienced in our lives. 
We can see how our economy has been impacted just in the last two years with inflation. And we have seen how groceries and gas have skyrocketed. But if we can understand something as what is being described in chapter 6, with this third, with this third seal that is being opened, there will, this will hit the world on a scale like we've never seen before. Verses 7 through 8. And when he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of the fourth living creature saying, Come and see. And so I looked and behold, a pale horse. And the name of him who sat on it was death. And to them over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword. By the beast of the earth. This fourth rider is on a, a pale horse. And power was given to them over a fourth of the earth. So if we can visualize this this morning, this is 25% of the, of the world's population that will be impacted when this seal is opened. 2022 global population is around 8 billion people. Divided by four is around 2 billion people. And 2 billion people is kind of hard for our, our mind to, to understand. It's massive amount of people. This would be the size of, of all of North America, Canada, United States, and Mexico, all of South America, and all of Africa. Two billion people will be affected by this, this next seal that will be opened. We have seen the, the impacts of world war in the past century and the mass genocides of Hitler and Stalin, and it has been horrific and unthinkable. But what is being described here is death that we have never seen the likes of. Not only will death come by the sword, it will also come by famine, plague, and by the beasts of the earth. David Guzik says, power was given to the horsemen and given by God. Though all hell is breaking loose on the earth, God is very much in control. He still holds the scroll and opens the sill. We must remember that it is Christ and Christ alone who is executing his judgment on an unbelieving world. And he judges with perfect righteousness. With all these seals that have been opened, we can see that everything man puts his trust in is being shaken to the core. But as we continue on through these, these seals that are opened up, Keep in mind that it is Christ that is opening these seals. It is Christ that is, is bringing his judgment upon this earth. And even in this time of chaos, and even in this time of, of tragedy and, and death, God is still working in the midst of his people. God is still working, and he's still saving and redeeming people. Let's look at this, the fifth seal that is opened up. Verses 9 through 11. And when he opened the fist, so I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. And they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest 
a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were, were completed. With the opening of this seal, we see a picture of those that have been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. These saints have, been given a, have given a faithful testimony of the Lord and would not deny, deny their allegiance to their king, even to the point of death. And then he believed that this is describing, and this is what's implied here, is the tribulation saints, those who have given their lives for the Lord, those who've, who've given a testimony of their faith and their trust in Jesus to the point of death. Warren Wiersbe says, when the Old Testament priests presented an animal sacrifice, the victim's blood was poured out at the base of the brazen altar. Leviticus 4, 7, 18, 25, and 30. In the Old Testament, this is an imagery. Blood represents life. So here in Revelation, the souls of the martyrs under the altar indicates that their lives were given sacrificially to the glory of God. These martyrs have laid down their lives for Christ and they're crying out. What a picture. With all these seals that have been opened up, all of a sudden we're, we're ushered into the throne room of God again. And there's this picture of the, of the saints who have given their lives and have laid down their lives for the Lord. And they're crying out and they're asking for their death to be avenged for and their blood. Notice they were given white robe, a white robe, and this is symbolic of purity and right standing with God. They were told to wait a little longer until their fellow servants were also able to be a faithful witness and give their lives. All this death that has taken place at this moment in time is, not, is only the, the beginning of it. In fact, there's more who will, who will give their lives for the Lord during this time and this hour. We may not give our lives as martyrs, but we are called to present our lives as a, as a living sacrifice to the Lord. May their testimony encourage us to live for Jesus today and to glorify him with our lives. Verses 12 through 14. And I looked, and when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake. And the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became like blood. And the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. When the sky receded as a scroll, when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. With the opening of this sill, a great earthquake hits the earth, and the sun becomes like sackcloth, and the moon becomes like blood. As we're reading all these seals, I'm sure it's hard to grasp that this is actually what is to come. It almost sounds like it's a, a movie that we're watching on TV. But in fact, I don't think Hollywood could produce something that would demonstrate the wrath that will come upon the earth. Everything is being shaken to the core with a great earthquake and stars falling from the skies to the earth like a fig tree being shaken by a mighty wind. The scroll is rolled up like a scroll and every mountain and island is moved out of its place. Just think about that for a moment. 
Every island is moved out of its place. And the sky is rolled up like a scroll. We see that everything that man holds on to is being shaken. The comforts of life and the blessings we enjoy every day are being removed. And we can also see how easy it is to see that fear would grip people as the sky and the earth are shaken. I mean, we've seen in the last few years how fear has gripped people. Fear from a pandemic, fear from all these tragedies that are going on in our world. And these are only, like I mentioned, birth, birth pains of what is to come. But the fear that will grip men and grip people all over the world will be an intense fear that no one could describe. Now let's look at the response of everyone that is described in verse 15. And the kings of the earth and the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, and every slave and every free man hid themselves in the caves and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? This gives us a picture of who is all being described here. The kings of the earth, the great men, rich men, slave and free. Everyone is impacted by these events. And the response is, is not to trust and to put their hope in Jesus. But their response is different, is to, to hide and to remove themselves. Almost gives us a picture of what, what happened to Adam and Eve when they sinned. They tried to hide themselves instead of going to to God and to receive repentance. But this is the picture of they're trying to hide themselves and they're calling out to the mountains to fall on them. They're hiding their face from the lamb who sits on the throne. And they understand that it is not just random events that have occurred. They understand that, that he is in control. He is in control of human history and has brought this wrath on those who have chose not to believe and to surrender to him. How tragic it is that they know it's God's wrath and yet still they refuse to choose repentance. Something that Cody said a couple weeks ago is that, that God's delay in judgment is, is an opportunity for repentance. And this morning, this, as we examine this, these, this judgment that we've never seen in our lifetime that is to occur. We can point and we can look to the only way to receive salvation, the only way to, to, to alleviate and to, to not experience the wrath that is to come. Even as God's wrath is falling, there is still room for repentance. Verse 17 says, And, and who is able to stand? Last week, this is kind of an interesting picture. If we look back to, to, verse, to chapter 5 at the end of the chapter and how it concludes, to chapter 6 and how it concludes, there's two different responses. Chapter four, in verse 14 of chapter 5, it says, Then the four living creatures said, Amen, and the 24 elders fell down and worshipped him who lives forever and ever. 
But as we look in, in, at the end of this chapter, there's a quite different response. There's quite a different response of the, of the men who are being described. The people are not able to stand because the great day of the Lamb's wrath has come. They have chosen not to recognize His rule. It is to fall down, not to worship the Lamb, but to be completely overpowered by, the wrath, by His wrath. And this morning, we can, we can either bow before Jesus today in reverence and awe of how great and awesome he is or bow and fall before him and be crushed because there is no one who is able to stand in his judgment. Matthew 21, 44 says, Anyone who stumbles over the stone will be broken into pieces and it will crush anyone it falls on. This is the picture this is the picture that we see of those that are, who are experiencing the tribulation period. Those who choose not to, to humble themselves. Those who choose not to, to trust in Jesus and to obey him are left to be crushed because there's no one that can stand before him. Psalm 2 verses 12, 10 through 12 says, Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss the son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction. For, the wrath can flare, for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are those, blessed are all who take refuge in him. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. We can either acknowledge his lordship and worship him now, for he alone is worthy of our praise. Or we can be led into destruction and choose to deny his sacrifice for sin. I don't know about you this morning, but I would much rather do the first. See, if we, if we can examine and understand in the light of this that, that it's Christ that's paid everything. That it's Christ that has sacrificed his life. It's Christ that is, has took our stead. And given his life and took upon his body the wrath of God. He took upon his life the wrath, the wrath that we were meant for. But he took it upon him. But if we choose not to receive the sacrifice of Christ, if we choose to, to treat it as not precious, as not important, then we're left to destruction on our own. But Christ is, is long-suffering, that God is long-suffering. He's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to repentance. And this is the Father's heart, if we can grasp it this morning. That he's not willing that any would perish. That he's not willing that any would, would, would be destroyed or experience this. But if you choose to, to go your own way, and if you choose to deny the Son, then destruction will follow. This morning, Jesus is the Lamb, and, and in his righteousness, he executes judgment. And there is no one who is able to stand when his judgment is released. May we now receive him as, as Redeemer and Lord and recognize him as the Lamb of God who came and took our place and bore our sins and the sins of the world and bore our judgment. He is the only one that is able to bear the wrath of God on the cross. So this morning, what, how should we respond to this? Will you trust him today with your life? Will you trust him with everything that you are? Will you bow before him today? Let's pray.
And Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you, Lord, that there's so much, Lord. Lord, that even our imagination can't even fathom, Lord. Lord, that the destruction and the judgment that will come will come upon this whole earth. Of those who've chosen not to believe in your son. And so, Lord, we consider this today, Lord. We consider all that your word is spoken as of now, Lord. And we pray, God, that our hearts, Lord, would run to you today. We pray that our hearts, God, would turn to you, Lord. Lord, and, and, and receive all that you've given to us, Lord, through Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you, God, for your word. And we pray, God, that, Lord, that we would live in the light of it today. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.